I want you, again, as I said, turn in your Bible. We're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to, I don't intend to speak very long today because I've been, I've been seeking the Lord. I've known ever since uh, last Sunday uh, that after last Sunday's message that this was the direction that I felt like we needed to go. We talked last week about, about repentance and we talked about how to know when you're born again and we talked about how to, uh, how to know that you're, that you're staying that way, you know, because you can't undo that. Uh, but we, we discussed all that. I won't go back into all of that and I would, I would say to you that if you didn't have a chance to hear that, get, go back and, and listen to that. It's been archived and listen to that message It'll kind of catch you up, and, and you'll understand that today is almost a part two. Uh, when you go from talking about the necessity of knowing Christ and how you can know Christ and how you can know that you know Christ, we talk that we call that, that that whole salvation experience, then I want to take that to the next step. And you've probably heard this uh, over the years, perhaps, if you've been a part of uh, of church, then you've heard these kind of messages. Pastors are always going to tell you what you need to do. You need to get saved. You need to pray, read your Bible, all those kinds of things, which is true. All of that is very, very true. There are four things I believe that Jesus would tell us we need to do if he were here today. He would say, first of all, you need to be born again. You've, you've got to ask Jesus to come into your heart, become a, become a believer. It's what we call the salvation experience, right? You need to become, that's a, I know it's Christianese, but you need to become saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin, saved from self, saved, saved from a future of bad decisions. Uh, you need to be saved. And, then, and after you are saved, then Jesus tells us there's two things that we're to do that we recognize as ordinances of the church. He says at that point, then you need to be baptized in water. Remember, why would we be baptized in water? Well, it is a sign to the world that you've decided to die to yourself and to live unto Christ. So when you're baptized, you, you are immersed in the water and you go into the water. When you come up, you're a new person. It's symbolic of a new person coming up out of the water. Thirdly, he would say that you need to receive communion. And we do that here every so often. We do it about three or four times a year. We don't do it more than that because we want it to be special. And when we do it, it's a special time around here. But communion is where we identify with the body and the blood of Christ. So a person has accepted Jesus, they've been baptized in water, now they're taking communion so that they can let the whole world know that I am not just a Christian, but that I am inviting, I want the body and the blood of Christ, I want that to be a part of me, I want to identify with his body, with his blood, I, I want everybody in the church and outside of the church, I want them to know that I'm a believer. So you're saved, and then you're baptized. You take communion. The baptism and the communion shows people what you've done. Those are, the, those are three of the four things that Jesus would tell you you need to do. Today we're talking about the fourth. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk about a subsequent experience that happens beyond that initial time of coming to know Christ. Now, there are people that say, well, pastor, if you're born again, you are filled with the Spirit. And I would have to argue with that based on lots and lots of years of study. I would say to you that, that, that it does require, it requires a measure of the Spirit 
that unless the Spirit draws a person, they can't be saved. But the Spirit would draw them or convict them, and then they would receive Christ. And at that moment, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You do have the Holy Spirit in you at that moment. But there's an experience that goes beyond just having the Holy Spirit in you. It's what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just like we had the baptism in the water, then we have a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I, I would just ask you this question, who doesn't need more of God? Is there anybody here that doesn't need more of God? I, I know I do. I, I'm the first one to raise my hand and say that anything that God has to offer me that's going to make me stronger and give me a better chance at being successful in this Christian walk, I want it, don't you? I want everything that he says I can have because I want to be strong and I want to be successful. I want to be faithful. I want to do what he's called me to do, and I need every bit of the power that it's going to take for that to happen. So today, I'm going to introduce you to the person of the Holy Ghost. He's known as the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Really, it's kind of strange when you hear people refer to him as a more personal name, which would just be Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. We always put the in there because it just works better with the way we handle comp and ret. The truth of the matter is it's kind of weird when you say Holy Spirit and I. And so we always say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But the truth of the matter is he's not a the. He's not an inanimate object. He is a person. The Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is the same person, and we need to know him better than we do. He is the third person of the Godhead. Now, here's what happens with us so many times. We think when people refer to the Father, they usually use the word God. When they talk about the Father, they're actually talking about, when they say God, they're actually talking about the Father most of the time. When people are referring to God, they're saying they're talking about the Father. So we understand the Father, who he is. And then when they talk about the Son, they talk about Jesus. He is our Lord and Savior, the one that came in human flesh and died for us and paid the cost on the cross for our sins. So you have the, the deity the being the, made up of the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and guess who? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the third part of that trinity. They are one substance. When we say God, we, we mean Father most of the time, but truthfully, if you say God, you're talking about all three. When you use the word God, you're talking about all three. And there are some people that, that feel weird about praying. Uh, they, they think they can only pray to the Father. But, but I, when I talk to God, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, praying in, I'm praying so many times, I'm praying to different persons in the Trinity. Sometimes I'm speaking straight to the Father. Sometimes I'm speaking to the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I'm speaking to Jesus because the Word says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for me. You say, where's the Holy Ghost? Well, here's the cool part about it. Jesus said that if I go away, I will send unto you a comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, and he will come now and dwell in you, not just around you, not, not just like in the Old Testament where the Scripture said that he came upon people for certain works and acts. But in the New Testament, the Holy Ghost comes to dwell in us individually. So when we read about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, we're like, well, where's the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here now. The Holy Ghost is in you. The Holy Ghost is in me. 
He is dwelling in us. We need to understand that. The Holy Ghost is the one that convicts you at salvation. He's the one that makes the commitment to walk with you throughout the rest of your life. And he will only take as much of your life as you ask him to, as much as you desire. He's a gentleman. He will not force you to take uh, um, any more of a measure of him than what you want. People that are satisfied with a salvation experience, if they're satisfied with that, that's all they're going to have because he's not going to force himself into their life. But they're going to struggle. Believers that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit are going to struggle more than those who aren't. You say, well, can they go to heaven without being baptized? Yes, you can go to heaven. As soon as you're saved, as soon as you're saved you'll go to heaven. But you're going to have a harder time getting there without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of discussion about this, and I've, heard, I've probably heard it all over the years. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions myself, and the way that I arrived at this has, has taken many, many years to come to this. But there is this, this baptism that will allow amazing things to happen in you, to you, for you, but only if you ask him to baptize you. So what does he do when he fills us? And why would we want to experience this special infilling? I'm going to spend a few minutes uh, this morning explaining why you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to do that by, by discussing the three Ps of the Holy Ghost. So if you've got your pen and paper or your iPad or your phone or however it is you want to take notes, begin to write this down. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to list for you the three Ps of the Holy Ghost. These, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will have these three things in your life. The first thing that you will have in your life is, number one, the promise. The promise of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, starting verse 38, Peter was speaking to a group of people here, and in his message he says, all of you must turn to God and change the way you think and act. In the Old Testament, or not in Old Testament, in, in a different translation, perhaps King James. If you're looking at King James, it would say repent. Um, every time you see the word repent in the New Testament, it basically means the same thing. It means to change the way you think and act. And so God's word translation just simply lists it that way. When they use the word repent, they say you must change the way you think and act. And so Peter said this to them. You must change the way you think and act, and each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's that water baptism. So that your sins will be forgiven. And then you will receive something else. The Holy Spirit as a gift. This promise, verse 39, belongs to you and to your children and to everyone who is far away. It belongs to everyone who worships our Lord God. Who is this promise for? You say, well, it was to those people that were there, yeah, and to their children, yeah, and to everyone who is far away. Well, I'm far away. Aren't you? I've been to Israel. I am far away. That's a brutal flight. That's a long ways. But he's not just talking about geographically here. He's talking about those that will come after, those who are far from us at this moment. He said, in fact, this promise belongs to everyone who worships 
the Lord our God. For all of those of you who say, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for me. I prayed one time and I didn't receive it. It must not be, maybe it's not for everybody because there are some denominations that teach that it's not for everybody that's just certain ones and that, that that's what they receive. Well, okay, if that's what you want to believe, but I choose to believe God's word. I, I am choosing to believe the word of God over the word of God of a man who has formed an opinion based on something that didn't happen in his or her life. I choose to, to believe that, that this word is telling me the truth. I don't know why God would lie to me and lie to me about anything else. Why would he be lying about this? This promise from God is to every believer. How do I receive this? It says repent, be baptized in water, and then begin to truly seek this infilling. You say, if I do, will I receive it? My answer is yes, you will. Why? It's a promise to you. Let me ask you this question. Why wouldn't God grant you this special gift when he knows that you desperately need it in order to be an overcomer? Why would he not? That doesn't make sense to me. Of course it's for you. Some people wait a little longer than others before they receive it. And that has to do with many different factors. Sometimes that has to do with, with trying to be filled with something when you're already filled with something else. And if you're filled with something else, there's no room for this to fill you. So some people are working on trying to empty all that out so that they have a spot for this to take place. Other people, it's a matter of, of, of them just simply uh, uh, walking with the Lord, waiting on the Lord until he fills them. But the promise is that he will. If you're born again and you want to be filled, you will receive this promise if you're willing to ask and seek to receive. Second, the second P is this, found in John 14, 24. It's the provision. This is the second thing that comes with the influence of the Holy Ghost. You have the promise, then you have the provision. Jesus said in uh, John 14, 24, a person who doesn't love me doesn't do what I say. I don't make up what you hear me say. What I say comes from the Father who sent me, and I've told you this while I'm still with you. Here we go, verse 26. However, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything that I ever told you. Here's what the provision is. You remember last week when I, when I was wrapping up the word and I told you that, when, that one of the ways that, that ensures the fact that we, that we stay close to Christ is the fact that, that the Lord said that when we, when we accept Christ that the Holy Spirit begins to write his teachings on our hearts and minds. You remember me telling you that? He begins to, and that way we have the word, we read the word, but how many times have you ever heard the word when you didn't have it right in front of you? That is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind things that he is writing in your spirit, writing in your heart. So here's what, here's what Jesus says about what I just said there. Here's him saying that. Here's him confirming that. However, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything that I've ever told you. Here's that happening. The provision is this. The provision is to teach you everything that you're going to need to know to live for God. And then he's going to remind you of that every time you need to be reminded. He'll teach you and then remind you every time you need to be reminded. How many of us experience that reminding? I, I experience that all the time. It, we talked about that again last week. It's called conviction. It doesn't end at the salvation experience. 
Conviction merely starts at the beginning of salvation when you receive Christ. Conviction is going to stay with you for the rest of your life in this form. It is the Holy Spirit reminding you, convicting you, reminding you of what God is teaching you. And so the Holy Spirit is tasked with carrying that out. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he is constantly teaching you, coaching you, guiding you, directing you, encouraging you, leading you to be successful and effective in your walk with him. I need that kind of provision, don't you? So he says, there's, here comes the promise, here comes the, the uh, provision, and thirdly, here comes the power. Acts chapter one, verse four. Once while he was meeting with them, he's talking about Jesus. Once while Jesus was meeting with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait there for what the Father had promised. Jesus said to them, I've told you what the Father promises. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now look on down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and then you will be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You need this this power to live a godly life so that you can be a witness. That's the reason for this infilling, this baptism, this power, is so you can live this consistent Christian overcoming life. And what happens here is there's far too many believers, far too many Christians who are not filled, they are not baptized with the Holy Ghost, and so they spend the majority of their lives repenting for sins that they need to overcome, but they can't because they don't have the power to do it. You need to give yourself an opportunity to win. You can't win on your own. Too many people say, well, I'm born again, and now I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just that's enough for me. And yet they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. They don't have the power to overcome. They continue to make the same mistakes, commit the same sins, and they just live a constant life of repentance and confession and guilt and all this kind of stuff where that the Holy Ghost says, I'll baptize you. I will fill you with myself so that the first thing that comes up in any situation will be me. It won't be that, that, that desire to do something else or that word that you used to say, it will be something else. And so uh, this, is, this is where that power to live comes from, the power um, to overcome, to work, to witness. Without this power, you could waste a lot of time trying to win on your own. But, but with the baptism comes the power to walk in the Spirit, do the work of the ministry. You do that now from a, spiritual, a place of a spiritual confidence of knowing that you are living a sanctified life. Every Christian needs this kind of power. I grew up around this my whole life. My, my dad accepted Christ uh, when, when I was four and uh, we started out in a different denomination, and they were good people, but they didn't believe in this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one day, Dad, on his way home from work, he was doing construction, and he, was, he got in his truck, and he wanted to receive, he'd read in the Bible about this. It wasn't being taught in his church, but he'd read about it in the Bible. 
and he wanted to receive it if it was real. And in his, in his truck on the job, he said he began to pray and lifted his hands and worshiped the Lord. And he said when he opened his eyes and realized where he was, he was at home sitting in our front yard speaking in tongues. How he got there, what it looked like when he was driving there to other people, <laughs> I don't know what to tell him. All I know is what he told me, and I believe him. At that point, he went to the church we were going to and was so excited to share this with the people, and we received the left foot of fellowship from that denomination. They didn't believe in all that kind of stuff. So dad was sent searching for some place that believed this because it wasn't just a believing for him now. It was a knowing. It was a, an experience. And he looked until he ran across a group of people in an Assemblies of God church over in Barrowville, Arkansas. And they believed this too because they were full of the same thing and welcomed him in. God called him into ministry. The pastor there mentored him, and he began to preach. And he, tell, he used to tell the story about how that before that time God had called him to preach, and he tried, he would try, Jerry. He said he would, he would get up and he would just fumble around, and he'd do the best he could, you know, but he said he couldn't even hardly get the boys out of the fiery furnace. He just, he just couldn't hardly get it done. And he said the first time he preached after that experience, it was a whole different world. He said it was a whole different world. I've watched him throughout my life preach under that unction, he called it. Under that anointing of that Holy Ghost. I've watched him, of course, those of you that knew him, he was a big guy. He was 6'5", 295. I watched him in a revival one time at a place called Who'd Have Thought It? It was just an old country church that I'm really not this old, but it was one of those little schoolhouses like Little House on the Prairie. No air conditioning. Had an old wooden stove in the middle with the pipes that went up through the ceiling. And I remember one night when the Holy Spirit hit. Of course, I remember lots of nights that happening. And as a little four and five-year-old boy, I would get up under the pews sometimes to keep from getting killed. And Bobby Penn's ladies, they used to wear them back then. Bobby Penn's were flying around like shrapnel. People were running and jumping and hollering and doing all kind of crazy stuff that you don't see a lot of today. But I remember one particular night, another guy who wasn't quite as big as my dad, but he wasn't far from it. And the two of them locked up in the middle of that church close to that stove. And they began to jump up and down and dance until the pipes fell out of the ceiling and hit the ground. You say, well, that's just ridiculous. Maybe, maybe the guy who had to put the pipe back together thought it was too, but I've seen real and I've seen fake. I can feel fake. I know fake. I saw lots of fake. 
I tested fake one time when I was about 16. My friends asked me to come play drums at their church one night for a revival. I went to play drums. Man, I was playing, and when I finished, I went and sat down and noticed that the guy stayed at the keyboard whenever I finished, and the preacher preached, and when he wanted to get him going, that person would beat that piano, and they'd all holler and yell. And then when he wanted to get mellow him out, he'd slow it all down, and I'd come watching all this, you know. I thought, this is like Pavlov's dogs, you know. I, I, and, and, and I watched all this for quite some time, and finally I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just really curious. And I know what spirit I was full of, and it wasn't the one that... It was supposed to be, but I just waited until it all got quiet, and I let out a holler you wouldn't believe. I hollered and shouted, and it was not of the right spirit, and that place went nuts. They hollered. They shouted, and I thought, I said to my friend, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. (laughs) You can't believe it, can you? I've seen I've seen that. And, and things, things that are not real, they grieve the Holy Spirit. Things that are not real. But I'm telling you something. I'm not, I'm not advocating that all of us jump up and, and run around and act like idiots and, and act like fools and dive into baptistry and all that. I'm not asking all that kind of stuff. You've seen the video of the church where the, the guy's singing and the guy takes off running and, and he runs and actually runs and Falls into the baptismal tank. I'm not advocating all that. I wasn't there that night, but seemed to me like as much as we've watched that and laughed about it, it probably wasn't all legitimate. I'm telling you that when the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, the person of the Holy Ghost, when he comes to dwell in your life, he isn't coming to cause you to do crazy stuff. He's coming to cause you to do real stuff, good stuff, powerful stuff that's going to make a difference in your community, not just in your church. I remember one year at district council, this is where all the preachers go once a year, and we were down at, uh, we were down at Hot Springs, I think, this year, and it was a huge sanctuary, and I won't name the guy that did it, but one of the preachers that was there He was down in the front, and they had the music going. I mean, they had it all going, and this boy decided he he decided he was going to run. And I thought, I wonder if that's legit. So I watched him. He busted a move all the way across the front, all the way down the side, halfway across the back, and I turned to see. About halfway across the back, he stopped, and he went. And I said, that's what I thought. Because if it was real... I think he could have made the whole lap. I've seen people who were too sick, who were too ill, couldn't even walk, had to use a cane. But when the Holy Spirit got moving in their life, cane would go one direction and they would go another. Talking about a power for living, a legitimate power for living that, yes, when it, when it comes into you, sometimes you will do some funny things. You'll do some different things. You will react differently to that. I've said that over the years that, you know, I've grabbed a hold of an electric wire before. Anybody ever grab electric wire? You, you're not real smart if you do that. I haven't done it recently, but it, when I was younger, I grabbed an electric wire just to see then you can't get off of that goomer. I mean, it's like, you know. 
But I respond differently to grabbing a live wire than other people. I grabbed a live wire and I said, and then I got off of it. I've seen other people hit one of those, and I mean, they holler, scream, yep. It's about personality. Holy Spirit works in that person. He works with the personality of the individual. So you say, well, man, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, and I don't act like that. It's probably because you're more like me. I slam my hand in a car door. You know what I do? And that's about it. I don't go to emergency room. I don't cry. I don't probably even tell nobody. I just fling blood off a little, little bit. And I keep on going. But some people respond to power differently than others. I'm saying that some of what you see is real sometimes, some of what you see is not. But I will also say this to you folks. Let's not stamp out all the fire just because some of it is wild. I was 25 years old before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, guys. I had grown up in Pentecost all my life. I'd seen legitimate, and I had seen that that wasn't. And I was skeptical, i got to be honest. I went to an Assemblies of God university for four years, sat through Pentecostal doctrine and history. Everybody else was asleep. I was on the edge of my chair. They're talking about old... <clears throat> Willie Seymour and how he had his head in a box and how the people were praying at Azusa Street, <clears throat> miracles that were happening, <clears throat> people that were coming from all over the world. These kids were sleeping around me, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? How could they sleep through something like this? I started visiting with AG pastors, and I started visiting with Baptist pastors. And I, I would go visit with any pastor I'd get a chance to talk to. I wanted to hear their perspective. I wanted to hear what they were saying. I wanted to hear what was going on. I, went, I graduated from Southwestern, sat through chapel services with the, some of the greatest preachers you've ever heard in your life, and I never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit all the way through Bible college. Went on staff at an Assemblies of God church as a youth pastor, they hired me, and I wasn't filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know. They didn't ask me. I'm glad they didn't ask me. I wouldn't have gotten that job. I preached about the baptism of the Holy Spirit to those youth and, and other places before I had ever received it myself. But I kept searching because I'm one of those guys. I, if it's real, I want it. If it's not, I don't. I just kept searching. And finally, one day, Deb said, I'm taking Heather, and we're going to visit my mom. We're going to go see my mom for a day or two. I said, okay, here's my chance. Because I'm not one of those guys that does well with people all around me, dumping oil on my head and pulling me around by the ears, and screaming, filling, filling. You know, I'm just, I, I just, I don't do well with that. Not some people do. I always get focused on all, somebody hollering, send the fire. Another guy hollering, send the rain. I'm like, what, what am I, what's going to happen? I mean, we're catching on fire. We're going to have to put it out. You know, I, so I'm so focused on all that that I can't even pay attention, you know. So I sat down in the floor. I, I sat down cross-legged in the floor when Deb had left. And I said, okay, Lord, it's just me and you. I'm 25 years old. I'm, I, I'm a credentialed minister with the sinners of God. 
I'm preaching this because I think it's true. I believe it from what I'm reading. God, I've read every book. I've talked to everybody. I've done everything I know to do. And I said, here's a scoop. If it's real, God, I want it. If it's not, I don't want nothing to do with it. If it's real, I want it. And I said, I'm going to sit right here in this floor until I know. So I sat there and nothing happened. I thought, well, I'm going to be here a while. So what am I going to do? I might as well pray. So I prayed a while. I learned from praying a while that that was good. God was fine with that, but that wasn't the key. So finally, I said, well, Lord, I've ran out of things to talk about, but I'm still sitting here. I still don't know what I need to know. So I said, I guess I'll just praise you. I love you. I praise you, Lord. I worship you. I magnify you, God. There's nobody like you. I started worshiping, just worshiping God. Just me, no music, nothing, just me. Sitting in the floor. And all of a sudden, I heard some words coming to my mind. I'm like, I stopped right there. And I said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I'm trying to worship the Lord, and I am not going to. And the Holy Spirit said, don't you bind me. And I said, what? He said, that's me. And he said, and so I said to him, well, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to, obviously I wasn't trying to blaspheme you for sure. I know about that too. So I said, here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. And if I hear it again, I'll say it. And if it feels right, then I'll say it. But if it don't, then I won't know more. And I had a piece about that. So I kind of forgot about it. And I just went back to praying again, just worshiping God. And that word came and I said it. And man, something. I felt that living water starting to churn. You know how it does way down. I liked the way it felt, so I said it again. I was like a baby learning a new language. And here come another syllable or two, and I added them. I was like, now I got three words. And so I just sat there, and I said those words, and then here came more, and here came more, and here came more. And before long, before you knew it, I'm sitting in the floor. There's nothing, it's just me, just me and the Lord, and I'm praying in a new language that the Holy Spirit has specifically designed for me. That's what happens when you're baptized. There's some people that say, no, you don't have to do that. The, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you're filled, other things can happen. I'm telling you, other things can happen, but that always will. It is the initial physical evidence that the filling has taken place. Everything else is good. Everything else is great. Operate in all that other. It's wonderful. But until the cup fills over, here's how I describe it. You fill a glass with water. When you put enough water in the glass that gets to the top, what does it do? Does it turn to steam? Sometimes? No. Does it turn to ice? No. It never does. What does it do every time? It flows over. It just does. Whether I like that or think it's right or wrong or believe it or I, whatever. The truth of the truth is this. The water overflows the glass. It's what it does. And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills your life, the bubbling over of that will be a language that God 
gives you personally just for you and him that you will pray in to him with him it is a language from God for you it will happen you're not seeking tongues you're seeking power you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost but tongues will accompany the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you have to be willing to let that go you have to speak that you'll hear it and you have to in faith speak it remember when you got saved Somebody said to you, in order for you to be saved, you have to believe upon the Lord, repent of your sins, and then confess it. So you believed and you repented, and then somebody said, are you saved? And you had to be able to say in faith. Remember the people you prayed with, and they're like, I don't know. I've been so bad, I just don't know. Now, wait a minute. It takes faith to say this. Did you do what the Bible said? Yes. Did you repent? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Did you do what the Word said? Yes, I did all that. And you prayed? Yes. Then are you saved? The Bible says you are. And then they would say, yes. And then the light comes on. And like, yes. It's the same faith to receive the Holy Ghost. It's the same thing. The same thing that whenever somebody said, are you born again? And you said, yes. It's going to take that same thing for you to receive the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the same thing for you to be able to say, I sense this. I hear this. I don't understand this. But I'm open to this. And I'm going to speak this, and when I speak it, then to that is going to come. That's why when we pray for, for things like this, I tell people, don't, you know, don't get in people's ear and blab off and, you know, don't, don't be trying to teach people how to speak in tongues. You don't have to teach people how to, we're not trying to, we're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'll give them their own language. They don't even need to hear yours. I don't need to hear your language in tongues. That's for you and between you and the Lord. So what do I do next, Pastor? Same, I think the same as me. I don't know how else to tell you. You believe. You ask. You praise. And wait. And it'll come. I promise you it will come. And then you can pray in that language. You, you should pray in that language every day. And every day God gives you strength. And all the things that, you, that we talked about today, all the things we talked about the Holy Spirit doing, He will begin to do that every day in your life to help you live a victorious life. That's enough for me. You don't need to hear no more from me. You need to hear from Him. I've been praying for you. And I know some of you are like me. Some of you are pretty reserved and quiet. You, 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 may, be, you may be that one that says, I'm going to pray right here in my seat. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to get in my car this afternoon and go away where nobody can hear me. And I'm going to do this. But I'm not doing it right now. That's cool. Fine with me. Just let me know when you get filled. I want to know. Just tell me when it happens. I want to know. Others of you are like, I am so excited. I want to do this now. I'm ready to do this now. And I'm like, cool, let's do it right now. Let's do this right now. These, these ladies are going to lead us. If you, if you want to receive the promise, the provision, and the power of the Holy Ghost, then I want you to come down here. 
in faith. What do I have to do, Pastor? You have to have repented of your sins. All of them. There's no room in there to be filled with something if you're filled with something else. You have to be come down here clean. Come down and repent. Repent of your sin. Get it all out. Get it right. And then you simply pray the prayer like we did for salvation. Jesus, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then worship Him and wait. And when, the, when it comes, open your mouth. Open your mouth and let it happen. It will happen. You say, well, Pastor, it's 1030. We've got another service in here at 1115. I don't care. If we're in here worshiping God and having church when they get here, guess what? We'll just find a spot and let them come right on in. If you're still here when I preach this again, then you just get the double dose. I'm not the least bit worried about time. The nursery girls are, but I'm not. The Holy Ghost won't get blasphemed, but I might. I don't think so. Because everybody here wants this for you God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in you in fullness and richness he wants you to be an overcomer he wants to fill you and he wants to dominate your mind and your spirit you want to live an overcoming life here's what we're going to do I'm going to ask I've already, I've already let our, I notified our staff and said, I want you guys, gals, to be prepared to help me with this. We have other preachers, spirit-filled preachers, men and women in our church. I want them to come and help us too. I, and I'm, guys, when I say I want you to come and help, I'm not asking you to come and coach. I'm not asking you to come and yell in people's ears. You, I'm taught, that's why I, 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 we, we know how to do this. I'm asking you to come and and pray with these individuals. Pray with them. Tarry with them. Pray around them. Create an atmosphere around them. And be with them until this happens. As long as they want to seek. Are you guys ready? Say, I've never done anything like this. This is really weird. Huh? I'm really weird. Guests are like, wow, this is my first time here and they're doing this. Yeah. You come to church here, you'll see us do it more often too. We're glad you're here. I want you to see. We need the power of our Holy Ghost in our life. Amen. Ladies, lead us. Any of you that want to, you come down for prayer. We're going to gather with you. We're going to pray a simple prayer. We're going to believe that the Holy Ghost will fill you today. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to come down. You say, well, I've done it before. Nothing happened. Uh, I'm discouraged. Whatever. I'm saying to you. Don't let an opportunity get by. If you've been seeking, I have specifically been praying for you this week this, that the Lord will baptize you today. Don't let this opportunity get away because you're afraid or because of your pride or because you're confused or whatever. Utilize this opportunity to receive something from the Lord today. Can we do it? And I would ask the whole church, I'd say during this song, would you just... Would you lift your hands and your and close your eyes and just bless God and, and create an atmosphere in this place. Create an atmosphere, a heightened atmosphere for God to be able to do something miraculous in this room. Come on, church, lift your hands and close those eyes and begin to seek God and pray. Those of you that want to receive this, come on down right now. Don't wait, but if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come to the front right now. Come on, come on down here right now. We're going to meet you. Come on. Come on down right now. Come on down here. Come on.
Come on. Come on down here. Amen.